Well, we're grateful for the opportunity to facilitate a conversation today that uh, often doesn't happen. Uh, we know uh, from that report and many other statistics that even before there was a COVID-19 pandemic, that there was an epidemic when it comes to mental health in our country. And we also recognize that many times that conversation has either been non-existent or it's been unhealthy from within the church. And as a church, we uh, use a phrase around here that we hope this hour is the most honest hour in your week. And so we want to create an environment today to have a conversation around mental health uh, that hopefully uh, will encourage you and for some of you may spark you to take a next step. Uh, we know this conversation uh, is never done perfectly, and part of the reason why it's unspoken in many places is because it's been done in a way that was hurtful or shaming, uh, that created or uh, compounded pain. And so we are going to do our best to not go down that stream, but we will do this imperfectly. Uh, but our hope is that by wading into this area that you know that uh, if you do struggle with a mental health issue, it doesn't mean that you're broken. It doesn't mean that you are uh, unlovable. It doesn't mean that you are unwelcome. We hope that by having this conversation today that you know that this is a place uh, where you are loved. This is a place where you are welcome and uh, that all of us in different ways are, are working through life, um, navigating things uh, that make things difficult, um, but there is space for all of us here. And so when I uh, heard a recent study uh, that just gave me pause for how bad things had gotten when it comes to mental health in our country, I knew I wanted to have a conversation, but I knew that I didn't honestly have all the expertise to speak into it. And we're blessed here in Prescott to have an incredible uh, community of counselors who are also followers of Jesus, who as a church, honestly, we refer out to when we become aware of somebody who, who is looking for some counseling or needs some help that goes beyond what we feel uh, equipped to provide. Um, and I, I really honestly think we're spoiled to be able to have the resources that we do around us. So I'm going to introduce our panel today, and then we're going to wade into a conversation. I want to give you a heads up. There'll be an opportunity in a little bit for you to text in your questions if something from this conversation sparks a question in you, and we'll do our best to get to those later on in the service. So first off, we have Joey and Robin Kaufman. They are the co-founders of 1010 Ministries, a ministry that's focused on helping ministry leaders and their families to thrive and flourish in the spirit of John 10.10. Joey and Robin are both board-certified Christian counselors, um, and uh, they only do great work in our community, but they've served our staff really well. And uh, just honestly, as for me, uh, Joey is my therapist. We've been meeting for two and a half years together. And uh, if things are going well with me, you can attribute Joey. If we've ever butted heads or not got along well, those are my brokenness that we're just trying to get ourselves through. So I'm grateful for Joey and Robin. They've made a difference in our church and our family. Uh, also want to introduce to you guys Kyle and Stephanie Rosebaugh. They are the co-founders of Grace and Peace Counseling here in Prescott. They're licensed marriage and family therapists. Uh, they re uh, serve a broad uh, a variety of clients, um, and uh, they've been on our list of trusted um, counselors for a number of years, and I've heard just incredible stories about how they've helped not only adults but teens navigate through some hard seasons in life, and um, we're grateful for their work. And then we have Rob and Elizabeth Heinrich. The slide has a typo. It's my fault. Heinrich. Um, but there are newlyweds. They've been married a little, a little, uh, almost two years. Um, and uh, you may recognize Elizabeth. She was on stage 
with me earlier this year as part of a series we did on the wilderness. We had no idea the wilderness we were heading into when we had that conversation, but grateful for Elizabeth's uh, voice in this process. They spent uh, a number of years uh, working um, in uh, a counseling center with both teens and adults who were uh, navigating with eating disorders. And so they're well-equipped and experienced to help people navigate issues related to trauma and grief. So um, we're grateful to have you guys all here. We had a really spirited conversation at 9 o'clock. If you missed that service, uh, we'll be posting both of these videos online because they're that good. But we know the conversation is going to go in different ways in different times. But I thought we might start with the, the topic, which is unspoken. So we know that in a lot of churches, the topic of mental health and it's a wide-ranging topic there that, that covers a lot of stuff. We know that it's a taboo topic or it's an unspoken topic in many places. People don't feel safe talking about it. And with anything, there's a reason for that. So this is open to anybody, but why do you feel like this topic of mental health is so taboo or unspoken and it's such a struggle for people to really go there? Well, I think uh, one of the reasons in my experience over the years is that it's often been um, hard for, for people who have been told that anxiety and depression or just not knowing where to bring their pain uh, in the church, where there, there hasn't been a place for that conversation to happen. And so if someone's been hurt and they've been told to, say, for example, just get over it or maybe pray harder or read more scripture, which are good things to do, but when they've done that and they're still struggling – um, when that struggle gets unattended, they, they end up feeling more lonely and more isolated. And so when you feel more lonely and more isolated, you tend to lose your voice. And when you tend to lose your voice, you stop speaking, and then you get to this place of unspoken. And so there just are fewer and fewer places. And so the church, I think now, and, and I'm glad Cornerstone and other churches, even in our community, are really um, opening that conversation more so we can have more emotional safety and, and invite the conversations uh, so people do have places to go to, to talk about about their pain. Awesome. In addition to that, I would say the spiritual warfare aspect of not us not admitting that we have brokenness or have issues, have things to deal with, and uh, we want to be portrayed as people who have things together, especially when we enter church, because it's almost like, well, that's where we're supposed to have it together, and. That's not reality. And so if you boil it down, it's like fear and pride really keep us from that. We're, we're fearful what people might think of us. Uh, we're fearful of what we might find ourselves. Uh, and then there's the pride. Like, I want to be right and I want to look good. Um, and so I think those are the, a couple of big things that really keep us from being honest, even in a church setting. Just coattailing that. I think that um, if I were to define spirituality, it would be living out of awareness of our brokenness, living out of awareness of our dependency on God, and, and, and then learning, learning to, to turn to him and depend on him. Um, but I was raised um, in, a, in a church that was very performance-based, very um, legalistic, and there was a, a message of, uh, you're never quite enough. Um, on testimony night, Nobody's sharing about their struggle. It's only about the victories. Mm. Uh, it became very clear that if you're struggling, you're not spiritual enough. You're mm. not walking with God enough. I think that stigma is not as great as it used to be, but I think there's still a little bit of carryover. 
Uh, and Scott, I think where that stigma also gets reinforced, and just to be, be honest, that's what we're doing here this, this, morning, this morning, is sometimes even in small groups where, where we, there's a culture that reinforces this idea of not going there, um, not, not speaking some of those areas that need to be spoken. For example, a leader will often open the night up by saying, so everybody doing good tonight? We're all feeling okay? And that's how the night often starts versus an invitation to invite, how, how are you doing? Does anybody want to share something that might be hard to share? Because we're going to be able to talk about that. But when we lead out with this unspoken uh, assumption that we're all doing pretty well, it keeps the, the tone and the culture of the group at a level that doesn't invite going to the deeper places. Not that we always have to go super, super deep every time, but it, it reinforces that it's not okay, that we're not capable or really wanting to go to that place. Well, and, and to go along with that, even you saying, I go see Joey, like you're saying that to your church, right? Um, you're, you're breaking that stigma saying like, it's okay to go to people for help. In fact, it's biblical. Well, and I, I, I'll be honest. I mean, I, I've said it several times, so it, it gets easier every time I say it, but there is a fear. I mean, I, 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 this is not the only church I've ever been a part of. And I was a part of another church where if I had said that, uh, I'm not a hundred percent confident I could have kept my job. Um, and so that, you know, fear, as you mentioned, plays a huge role in this. I mean, even have this conversation today, part of what I'm afraid of is I'm going to add to somebody's pain. I mean, so many of you are so broken and so much of your pain is honestly at the hands of somebody who has my title or has been in this environment. And so part of me, um, in the process of going, Hey, let's do this goes, well, what happens if you screw up? What happens if the conversation doesn't go well? What happens if in trying to help you actually hurt? Um, and that's where I think, um, we're all navigating these things. And so, I mean, I'm, I may not have done the nine o'clock. Well, I may not do this one perfectly. Uh, and, and, and please reach out to me if there's something I said that, that didn't land right, or it wasn't helpful. But I, I just think this topic has to be talked about so enough that it's worth the risk of not doing it in every way, the way it should do. Um, because the only other option is to stay silent and that's just not acceptable. I feel like that's the catch-22 of why it remains unspoken is because a lot of us are afraid to say the wrong thing. We don't want to contribute to more pain. We don't want to activate someone's pain. So we're like, oh, let's not go there. They're, they're really struggling. Let's just keep this light or something and thinking we're helping because we definitely don't want to contribute. But then that can backfire because we don't feel seen. Mm-hmm. And then when we do say something and it and we don't have the right words, then we create more pain. And so it's a risk. And I think we were talking in between the first uh, service and this one about, but it's when you hang on long enough to work it out with each other Mm. versus letting it stay absorbed. Mm. And if we can keep the conversation going, then we can invite more healing into it. It's once we, once we've been wounded and then we close off that part of us, Mm. that that's where a lot of that spiritual warfare comes back in too. And, and on the other side of that risk is a connection that happens that is so worth it. The, 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 the connection, the, um, the beauty of that is so worth the risk of connecting in a place of pain, not just in a place of, say, on top of the mountain. It's, it's something that uh, a lot of us don't ever take, take that step to do. But it's worth the risk. It's worth the effort. It's worth the excavating. Robin, one of the things we've been talking about this year, just personally, mm-hmm. is, is the word trauma. 
Um, I went on a vacation this summer, and you recommended a book for me. It's a great, light vacation read, by the way. Um, and the book is called Try Softer by a woman named Andy Kolber, who is a Christian therapist. And she talked about the difference between big T trauma and little T trauma, and it was so helpful for, for me because I had never related my experience at any point to trauma. I had not been to war. Um, I had not come back with PTSD. I had never been abused. And so in these often kind of traditional categories of trauma, I go, well, that's not me. But she kind of unpacked this idea of small T trauma and big T trauma that helped me go, hey, there have been some moments in the last several years that fit that. And that helps me to begin thinking through what does it mean to experience God's presence and healing in those places. Can you talk more about that? Yes. And like those examples you gave would be considered big T traumas. But the little T traumas are ones that um, can have an impact on us. But because we, we think, well, it's not that, so I should... I should be over it. I should be okay. Because the nature, a trademark of trauma is that you are left with this feeling of powerlessness. And so it doesn't take a lot, especially living in COVID times, to feel powerlessness. And having that um, experience weighs on you. Because basically what's happened is something's happened that has exceeded your current coping mechanisms and you haven't figured out how to cope yet and that can sit into that little t place i even was thinking about this with mental health i almost feel like there's um big mental health little mental health like we have the the major diagnoses that uh we see clinically um and we also have um just low-grade depression or anxiety that can creep up um, depending on life stressors. And we are so quick to dismiss the what we would maybe consider as um, minor. And in that dismissal, it creates actually a more of the problem. Now, Elizabeth, one of the things that um, we've talked about just one-on-one, uh, I've called you to say, hey, how are you navigating this with your clients or uh, you know, what are you seeing? When I was even thinking about the series, we're going to start next Sunday. I reached out to you and just spitballed some things with you. One of the things that we talked about was that, um, when we go through a season like this, there is an ongoing struggle with grief. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, somebody once told me that, that ministry is a series of ungrieved losses, but I pushed back on them. I said, well, isn't that true for all of us? Like mm-hmm. just whether you're in ministry or not, whether you're in my role or not, mm-hmm. you're going through losses. And so many times we don't grieve them mm-hmm. and those begin to stack up mm-hmm. and, and there is an ongoing dysfunction that comes out of it or an unhealth. Um, can you speak to that? Absolutely. Um, I think a lot of times we don't even know that we're grieving. Like we just notice that something's wrong and we try to push it down and to push through it. Um, but when you really look at, especially in this season, the losses that we've had to go through, community, um, we've had to go through fear of finances, jobs, everything that we're going through right now, I think that um, we can get triggered and we can experience um, something that goes beyond our coping strategies. And I think it's important to take the space to actually let yourself grieve what's different. Um, to uh, let yourself feel those uncomfortable emotions like disappointment and sadness and, and in order to feel the hope of what can be coming down the road. Now, I think a lot of us grew up in an environment, if we grew up in the church, that maybe wasn't uh, welcoming to those emotions. 
you know, or they were cast in a negative light. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, even I think about a lot of the songs that we sing are, are more mm-hmm. happy songs. Mm-hmm. They're more victorious songs. Mm-hmm. They're, they're songs that talk about the happy ending of the testimony that don't talk about the middle of the dark valley in the middle. Um, and so I think in some ways we, we don't have a whole lot of um, experience. Mm-hmm. Um, we feel a little bit like a kid riding a bike for the first mm-hmm. time when it comes to navigating those emotions, I, especially the vulnerable ones. I have clients that say negative emotions. I was experiencing negative emotions and, um, and they're actually just vulnerable emotions and they're gifts from God. They're gifts to let us know something's wrong, but they don't feel natural because we are created to live in a complete whole world. And we don't, we live in a broken world. Um, and so facing them can be incredibly uncomfortable. Yeah, and I want just to tag along that too, and just to sort of zoom out for just for a second, Scott. One of the one of the goals of therapy and counseling is is not to distinguish it from, say, scripture or living this Christian life. It's to to integrate it well. And I think we have a great biblical precedent for that. But one of the questions I've gotten over the years is, can't we just have the Bible and can't we just trust, you know, Proverbs three, five, and six, can't we just trust in the Lord with all our heart? Why do we, why do we need Christian counselors? Why do we need this? And the, what I like to consider and think through is that our, one of our key jobs is to help remove obstacles and hurdles so that people can trust more fully. And so if there are obstacles along the road that are there, so say that there's someone struggling with anxiety or someone struggling with these, they've been abandoned by somebody or hurt by somebody deeply in their in their journey. If we can help them process through and remove some of these obstacles or mountains, that's going to free up, free them up in their soul to commune more fully with the Lord. If they've been abandoned by a father, maybe if we can help them, they're going to actually be able to relate to God as father and not just pay lip service to that when they're talking. So that's that's one of the goals is that we can help them take those obstacles, make it, make scripture come alive, make their relationship with God more free. The goal is to give them more voice and more freedom in their journey. Stephanie, we were having a conversation backstage um, in between the services and talking about, again, the, you know, I think Robin's term was the kind of range of mental health issues that, that people who are watching have. We people who are watching, who are battling bipolar, uh, schizophrenia, um, other, those kind of classic clinical diagnoses. And we have people who are just going, I, I can't get over this anxiousness. I can't get over this shame. I can't get through this kind of darkness that I feel is kind of over me right now. Um, you know, you talked about the importance of, of acknowledging those as real um, uh, and not allowing those to becoming uh, defining in a negative way. You talked about the idea of labels. Can you kind of flesh that out? You were making some really good comments back there. Yeah, absolutely. So I think sometimes when we seek to have labels, they can be helpful because they can help us find the resources that we need, whether that's a diagnosis um, or just being able to label an emotion. Like we can name it and it typically tames it. Um, But yet at the same time, there is like stigmas that come with that, right? And like, well, if I have this, who's going to be there for me? And um, if I have this, who's going to judge me? And so I think part of this is, yes, being able to label it is part of the problem and can be really helpful, but it also can be um, create some really deep roots of being um, not able to be able to set free from it. So I think ultimately, like being able to find a label, 
find a label, find it helpful, but yet don't live in that identity, be able to break free from that identity. Do you have, because I think a lot of people, whether, whether you have a diagnosis from a psychologist or you're on a, um, a protocol to help navigate a chemical imbalance, all of which are fine and normal mm-hmm. and don't disqualify you from God's love or participation in the church. I want to be really clear on that. You know, if you're wrestling with a label like that, you work with a lot of teens, which is, this is a pervasive problem. Mm-hmm. We get those labels really early on and they mm-hmm. are really sticky. Yeah. Um, how are you coaching people through, um, that kind of nuance? Cause what you described is fairly nuanced. This is actually true mm-hmm. and it may be helpful, but I can't let this be the only thing that defines my worth and value. How do you help people? It feels like a little bit of a tightrope to walk um, through that. Yeah, and, and I definitely think it is. It's, it's kind of being able to look at, um, again, the label, um, but not finding your identity in Christ through that label because that's not how he created you. Um, and if, like, he created you with so much more than just that label. Robin, you look like you had something you wanted to follow up with there. Oh, no, I was taking a deep Okay, good. Okay, good. <laughs> One of the questions that um, I know we wanted to talk about today was um, you guys are all counselors who are also followers of Jesus. And I, I hesitate to use the word Christian counsel because I think for some people there's a stigma attached to that. Um, there's a stigma attached to biblical counseling, which we don't have time to unpack today. But um, I think all of you are in this work for a reason. You know, you feel a sense of calling. Um, you feel a sense of purpose in that. Um, you know, when, when you have somebody that sits down across from you and, and really lets you into their struggle, whether it's, you know, low-grade anxiety, uh, a marital, you know, crisis, or you think maybe this is something that's a, a larger, more pervasive thing that's a, a clinical, you know, psychological diagnosis, you know, what do you begin to dream for them? Because I think one of the things I, I hear from people who have been struggling for a long time in one of these places is that that label has defined them and they feel like what they've known is all they're going to experience. How do you help them to develop a sense of hope? You're not trying to sell them a bag of goods, you know, but how do you help them have a vision of the future that can help them continue forward with some really hard things? Cause you don't just have people who come to you to tell you the good news. You have people who come to you to tell you the hard stuff. Yeah. I feel like there were several questions in that. Kyle, you're always critiquing my questions, you know? (laughs) (laughs) But what do I hope for them is, like, freedom. And and, uh, why would I even hope that? And it's because if I look back at my life and the most defining and growing moments in my life, I was not isolated. I was in relationship with people who were willing to speak truth with me and meet me where I was. And that really helped free me and to help pass that freedom on. Um, such a blessing it could be because so often we can feel so trapped with things that are really common occurrence. Uh, Who wouldn't be stressed out given the way things are going in the world? And to have added stressors is something that we can relate to, but to be freed from them, we don't talk about that enough. Um, So to meet people there, allow for freedom. Yeah, I think uh, along that for me is that when people... When people feel listened to well, there's something really freeing and transformative. I just don't think many people on this planet ever feel listened to well. Um, and it's very lonely and isolating. And most people are more quick to speak than they are quick to listen. 
And so when people can, when I can join with people for a small point on their journey, we can intersect for a few weeks or a few months. That's an honor where we can roll up our sleeves together and help them go from sort of a, a dark wooded landscape to more of a freeing open landscape in their journey, that, that place of freedom. That's an honor that is, it's hard to put words to. And that's my goal for them to experience that, that voice and that freedom. So I think for me, um, it's yes, freedom, and it's also helping that disconnection become a connection. So often the things that we're talking about, like anxiety and PTSD, um, there are areas where we feel super disconnected. We feel like we're all alone. And to give a space for somebody to feel connected to themselves and to others in relationship. Yeah, those are great answers. Um, just to add to it, one of my hopes, one of my goals is f- to have people experience the depth of God's love. Um, in my own life, that's been the most transformative thing. Uh, it, I, I grew up with never feeling like I was enough, always feeling like no matter how hard I tried, I was letting him down. Uh, so no matter what we're going through, if we can really come to a point of I am loved He's, he was with me the whole time. He still is. Uh, that can be very, very freeing. I just add to all of this, um, my hope is to help unlock those stuck places um, that have gotten lodged where where we have this inner critic speaking judgment over ourselves or we're paralyzed to take action. And um, what Joey was saying, being listened to, one of my goals, too, is to be a very um, present witness because we don't have the answers. But when we can witness with someone in their pain, that alone is an unlocking. And, and it creates that space for the Holy Spirit to come in to that place and, and move. Uh, it's when we keep it lodged that we don't, there's not a lot of wiggle room for the Holy Spirit then to bring power into those places. We've talked about this unspoken idea that that's kind of a norm for many people, that it's a barrier. I think one of the things we've talked about or discovered today through the the questions we've gotten is that there's another one, and that's that people are living under a narrative that's really unhelpful. For for some people, they're living under the narrative that this um, this is always going to be how it's always going to be. And so there's some fatalism there and some defeat there um, when it comes to whatever they're navigating. On the other side, I think for certain people, they feel like everybody else (laughs) is experiencing freedom and progress, and they're not. And one of the things that I appreciate about each of you in the work that you do um, is that you allow for uh, everyone's journey to look different, and you don't promise people something that actually is uh, not available and um, I would just love for some of you guys to speak about the fact that, um, you know, some of the things that we're talking about today, some of the struggles that are very real for people who are watching, um, the hard truth is that that struggle may be something that they have as part of their life in some way, shape, or form for their whole life. Um, and so uh, how to, you know, that, that might in some ways sound like a, a, a depressive statement, but I think you guys see that as a... a not as a not as a defeatist statement. Do you have any thoughts on that? I mean, one thing I would say about that, it, uh, this is coattailing uh, your your own vulnerability and sharing that you're you're in counseling, or you've been in counseling. Um, 
I mean, I, each of us values counseling, and we continue to seek counseling ourselves. Um, and I will the rest of my life, off and on. There will be times when life hits you with something that you just need someone else to navigate that with you. So I think just um, that's kind of speaking to the st- stigma aspect uh, as well as, as this. I think what's coming to mind for me right now is um, Genesis 32 and Jacob wrestling with God. Um, and, um, and that's a pretty profound passage for me. It's in the wrestle with God that Jacob got what he was really longing for. He was longing for the blessing, but he also got a limp. And the limp was a reminder of his dependence on God. And in the future, in Hebrews 11, it talks about Jacob leaning on his staff, blessing his grandchildren. And that staff is the reminder that he needed God his whole journey. Um, And I think that whether it is wounding from trauma or severe mental illness, bipolar, schizophrenia, those are limps, and they can remind us of our dependence on God. Thank you. I, I've never heard of that expressed that way before, so I appreciate that. In um, one of John Lynch's books, um, he, he wrote a book called True Faced and then uh, re-released it later uh, called The Cure. But, it, but he talks about what if it's more important that we be authentic in our struggle than overcome our struggle? And that's really the whole premise of the book, that we are free to with uh, bathed in the uh, unconditional love and grace of God. Um, and I think that uh, that's just the reality. We, we, we are going to continue to struggle. But if we can learn to do that authentically, knowing that we are loved fully, it will be transformative. Robin, you? Yeah, and I, I say this, especially when I go back into counseling. I'm like, why am I here again? How come I'm not over this yet? Right. And to be reminded of, um, I'm being invited into another, um, layer of growth, another opportunity to mature in my spiritual life, my psychological life, my emotional life, my relational life. And so why wouldn't I be back again? Mm -hmm. If God is after, uh, my whole heart for my whole life and, and, that's a stigma I've placed on myself and I've heard other people, um, of what, why haven't I gotten over this yet? And to me, it's actually because it's an invitation. Mm. Well, I think all of this speaks to that freedom we were talking about. Let's not confuse that with, I no longer have any issues. Mm. I no longer struggle with anything, but can I be free from it where those struggles no longer define me? And just to add to that, I think we're never going to get this side of heaven, the full the full healing and the full wholeness that sometimes the world promises us and sometimes even maybe the church has promised us. We need to realize in, in a sober way that we're going to have to live with a sense of unresolved this side of heaven. Not till we see Jesus face to face will we be fully uh, made new, fully redeemed, fully restored. And so to live with that limp, to live with that is is a tension that I don't really want to have to face because I do want God's fullness of his power to do the full washing and healing, but to live with things that are, to live with unanswered prayer, for example, uh, 
that's a hard place to be. There's, there's a tension that we have to realize. We have to live in that ambiguous place sometimes and realize God's still at work, not just in the clarity part of our lives, but in the, the fog, the, the darker areas, the ambiguity. And when we can learn to manage and steward ambiguity, not just clarity, mm. we're going to, I think, actually invite part of that mystery, part of the Holy Spirit in that place that, while it may be unfamiliar, it can also be refreshing. There can be a place where we can rediscover yeah. something in that. Well, I hope you're enjoying this conversation as much as I am, and we want to give you an opportunity to participate in it. And so we want to encourage you, if you've got a question that has come to mind over the last 30 minutes or so, you can text that question to this number, 928-288-5490. We'll do our best to get to all of the questions that we can during our time. But the band is going to come up and lead us uh, in a song and give you a chance to just pause soak in this a little bit, reflect, maybe share a question. We also want to let you know that we've created a page with all of these counselors' uh, contact information, those that are taking clients, as well as some other resources to help you as you pursue uh, greater mental health. And that website is prescottcornerstone.com slash mental hyphen health. We'd encourage you to visit that today. Also, if you're at a place where you really need to speak to somebody today, we're available for you. And there's a form there you can fill out that'll send us an email, and one of our team will follow up with you. So we'd encourage you to send in that text with that question. We'll be back in a, a few minutes after, after this song, and we'll have a great conversation uh, with your questions with this team. Well, thanks, Josh and Caroline. Um, you guys sent in some great questions. We're going to do our best to, to get to as many of these as we can. Uh, Joe, I think we're going to start with you, uh, put you in the hot seat first. Um, you talked about some of the things that can happen, like in a group experience. And, uh, you know, somebody here is sharing that um, a majority of Christians may not feel equipped to help answer uh, or serve somebody who's dealing with depression or a severe mental health issue um, that could lead people in the group to think that they don't care about what they're going through. How do you help groups navigate that that, that are, are readily aware that they could do damage and so they're tempted to kind of pull back and, and maybe not engage? Yeah, that's a great, great question. If something, something significant in a small group setting, for example, comes up like severe depression or anxiety, that's not something a small group needs to tackle in, in that moment. That's something that the group leader would, would want to pull aside that person and say, let's talk about that afterwards and, and refer to a professional counselor or, or place. So that, that's something that would be a little separate. They shouldn't feel the pressure to be able to handle that question in a small group setting. The the, 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 the hope for, though, is in a small group, the tone to set is invitation to talk and to invite conversation. It just goes a little bit more below the surface so we're not just stuck at, at a posture of not inviting connection on a deeper level so we can get past that unspoken culture. We want to invite us to go to some, some deeper places. Not that every session or every, sorry, every small group meeting has to be a therapy session or go to those deeper places. We, we need to have some fun and some lighter, lighter, lighter times too. But if we, have to, if we get to some of those deeper questions of, of depression or heavier issues, yeah, we can refer those out readily. They don't have to feel the pressure to handle those specific issues. I, I think I would say, though, if I'm somebody who's in a group and mm -hmm. I'm battling depression or anxiety, mm -hmm. I want to feel the freedom to be able to name that in the group yes, so that I'm not feeling like I'm hiding part of my life and my struggle mm -hmm. where something comes up and it's like, well, I could talk about that, but it, to do that, I would have to talk about 
this thing right. that I, I'm not safe to share. So there is, you, you want to have some place for, for right. honesty there, but it doesn't need to be the primary place the person's the working. The primary place. We want to invite the out. transparency to bring it up, but not to turn the whole group into the, uh, into a session yeah. about that. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, Elizabeth, I know a, a, a huge passion of yours in your therapy is helping people to heal their relationship with God and to heal that uh, vision of God they have so that they can be transformed by his love. One of the questions that came in, and I'm going to switch programs here, um, talked about the fact that there's a lot of us um, who've experienced the church's tendency to shoot their wounded. Um, and this contributes to the hesitancy people have to be open and share what they're feeling because there's a reputation to overcome that's been well-earned. So part of navigating your work is not only the relationship with God, but the relationship with other people. Can you talk about how people can navigate an environment like that? Absolutely. Um, and I, I, just reflecting on that, a lot of my clients have been more wounded by the church than people outside of the church. And I think um, one of the first steps in that is determining a safe place to process that pain. Um, and, and from there, learning who is really safe. I think that there are people in the church that aren't necessarily safe, um, but that there are other people who are on healing journeys as well that would welcome the conversation. Um, but it begins with having a place to process the wound. A lot of times we make meaning. If a Christian sees me this way, then there must be something really wrong with me. And having a safe place to process the wound and learn that what came from that church from that believer isn't how God sees you and it isn't what God would say about you. And I remember um, several years ago hearing a pastor say, if you're feeling criticized, if, if you're hearing a critical voice talking about a flaw or a struggle, that voice isn't from God. Um, God has a different voice. He speaks differently into those places. Robin, the first of you, you shared some really good stuff on this topic, so I want to give you a chance. It just, just to add to that, um, pr- previously I, w- I was thinking about Job and, and his friends who were not the best comforters. Um, and they were condemning Job. They were telling him all these problems that he had were because he had unconfessed sin. And I think that is one of the ways the church uh, shoots their own wounded is by making these assumptions as opposed to just holding space. And I think Job flat out told him, best help you could have been is just to have kept your mouth shut and listened. So uh, that's, I think, mostly what I wanted to say about that. Robin, did you have something you wanted to say? Well, along the lines of uh, repairing our relationship, not just with each other, but with God, uh, to realize we have permission to bring our big emotions that we're having toward God to God as part of that healing process that, that we can inv- invite our, our anger, our disappointment, our deep um, grief. Like personally, I've been um, redefining what lament means to me. And to me, it's, it's grief plus groan. And... Um, when you talked about some worship songs are, are, are very praise, uh, focus, of course, but there's something very, um, raw and feels right when we can bring our groan into worship too. And, and in our small groups to, to, yes, what are the highs of where the Lord's working our life? And then what are the pain points that I am still 
still very much wrestling with. Um, and to have that be witnessed, not that it has to be fixed, not that it has to be, you know, the highlight of the night, but just, can I bring this and will you hold this with me? Well, I like that you say, like, are we going to bring our emotions to God? And, uh, because it says like, bring your burdens, right? And if you hear a lot of prayers, they go along the lines of like, God, I have this bad boss, God, I don't make enough money. God, my house isn't big enough or all of these burdens that I have to deal with. Like, oh, one of my two cars broke down. Um, but how often are we going there with our raw emotions? God, I'm dealing with this anger towards this person. And I know that's wrong. Like I got an issue with my heart there. And to lay that heart open, um, that's like, that's the space of healing. Uh, one of the things that came up multiple times, multiple questions kind of between the two services was the topic of shame, you know, and I think shame is something that uh, I don't remember hearing a lot about growing up. I feel like in kind of the renaissance that we're in right now, when it comes to more openness to mental health, shame is getting talked about more. Um, and I know, I'm assuming in the work you're doing with young adults, you're dealing with shame, Stephanie, um, you know, do you have a good understanding or a good definition that people can grasp when it comes to shame? Cause I think, I think everybody's experienced it, but they may not know, Oh, that's what that was. <laughs> that feeling I had, um, that I never want to feel again. Um, you know, and how do you, how do you help define that? And then, um, what are you doing to help people? How do you help people work through that, that battle with that, you know, that nasty thing that's, that so many of us know so well. Yes, absolutely. So I'm going to make it seem really simple with my words, but I know that it's not simple. Um, so shame is when we believe that we're bad. Like I am bad because of this thing. And guilt is when um, I can forgive myself. I can see that I did something bad, but it's not who I am as a person. So that's the differentiation between the two of those. And I think the way it kind of holds in our body is also different. Like when we experience shame, there's, it's a lingering and it keeps coming up in different things um, that we may experience through life and through relationships. And, And guilt is one of those things where it's like, I can notice that I did something wrong and I can forgive myself. I can show myself some of that self compassion. Robin, I know you do a lot of work with this. I know we've had conversations around this, uh, even in a counseling setting. Um, uh, what do you, when that, when, you, when, I, when I mention the word shame, what comes to mind? I, I take it all the way back to the garden when Adam and Eve recognized that they were unclothed and naked and then they were ashamed. And it's, it's this feeling of exposure that we're constantly trying to hide and that hiding is is just the opposite, right, of where what Kyle is saying, healing comes through connection and reaching out and sharing your experience with someone else. Um, and then go, even going back to the beginning of this whole conversation of how has the church contributed to the harm or to the healing of mental health struggles is um, we need to – the only way to work through shame is to talk about our shame. And so for the church to welcome – um, hard conversations that may not be resolved, but that I can be my real self without a mask. I don't have to hide. Uh, that's very risky. But if we can create a culture that invites that, we are going to see a lot of unlocking happen. Stephanie, did you want to? Can I up? just say something yeah. really simple? And I guess you, Joey. Um, 
so I've heard once that the antidote to shame is vulnerability. And so being able to speak those things allows for the shame to decrease and go away. Yeah. And just along to that, shame is probably the number one issue I work with with my clients. And it's, it's the number one thing that silences someone's voice. It's mm-hmm. the one, number one reason people have lost their voice because of shame. It's such a powerful, powerful lingering force that doesn't just go away overnight. It's something that, that needs to be worked on. But when we can help people find their voice, and, and I just, don't, don't just mean their vocal cords. I mean their true sense of self or true identity. The church, when the church can encourage that through these hard conversations and messy conversations, when people can rediscover who they are in their voice, shame will start to dissipate and voice will start to increase. And that is a beautiful, beautiful metamorphosis. It's a beautiful transformation. And I'm just so excited that even, even your title, Unspoken, that points to, the, that points to shame having authority. But when voice can start having more authority than shame, we're going to see God's power and transformation really start to, to, to rise. And just to add all that, every emotion has an action that keeps it going. And for, for fear, it's avoidance. For shame, it's hiding. And, and so one of the remedies is, is to start to identify what's the opposite of that and to do that, the vulnerability. Well, we know that there's a huge number of topics we could hit on today. We could be here all day, uh, and you guys have been such a gift to our church. A couple things we want to encourage you with today. One, if you go, man, I think that I connect with that person and I think that I might could use some help. We want to encourage you to head to prescottcornerstone.com slash mental hyphen health. On that page, you're going to see the contact info for each of these folks. And if they are currently taking clients is one of the questions we've gotten multiple times today. So that URL right here is prescottcornerstone.com slash mental hyphen health. If we could put that up on the screen, that'd be awesome. Um, and that way uh, you can know where you can go. The this group has also provided a number of resources, books, studies, podcasts that I think would be helpful and encouraging to you. We also want to encourage you that next Sunday we're going to start a new series, and that series is called Mastermind. And this series is inspired by Romans 12, 2, which says, Don't be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so we're going to talk for the next five weeks after today, starting on the 13th of September, about a lot of these topics and more that the scriptures talk about, about how we can step into mental and emotional health, how we can renew our minds and then experience God transforming our lives. So if, if Cornerstone's your home, we look forward to seeing you next Sunday for that series. If you don't have a church, home. This is an issue for you. Uh, We encourage you to join us for the next five weeks. We're praying it's going to be a really life-giving and transformative time. If you have a mental health issue today, though, and you really need to talk to somebody, uh, we would encourage you to go to that site, uh, pricewickcornerstone.com slash mental hyphen health, fill out the form, and we will be in touch with you very soon. Today, as we close, the band's going to lead us in a reprise of that song here again. We hope today has been encouraging. We pray that it's been life-giving, and we pray that we haven't added to the things that you're carrying, and we hope we've been able to help and serve and love you well. So thanks for waiting into this. Thanks, guys, for this conversation you've helped us to have, and thanks for the way that you're serving our community and our churches right now. You're making a huge difference in the lives of people. And on, on behalf.